0: Thank you, Connie, for that heartwarming prelude this morning. We at First Church would like to welcome you, whether you are here in person, listening on the radio, or watching on Facebook. We are blessed that you are part of our service and hope that our music and singing is uplifting, our Bible study is revealing, and our prayers impactful. We also hope that God's love and presence is felt while you worship with us this morning. This is the first Sunday of Lent. And many Christians reflect on God's promise and covenant to be in a relationship with us. God is with us on our journey this year through Lent and throughout our life. There's a lot happening here at First Church. Please look over the bulletin for items that may be of interest to you. A few items to note. The congregational meeting that was originally scheduled for today will be held next Sunday, February 28th. The weather last Monday caused the consistory meeting to be rescheduled until tomorrow, which pushed back our congregational meeting as well. The meeting next Sunday is to discuss and approve the purchase of a new soundboard and related equipment. Our daily bread booklets for March through May are available at the door and at the Info Center. We also have the Lenten devotional booklets, which if you're not using and reading and going through that uh, uh, is, is, I think, I think is a really good, a good uh, study. is also available at the info center. Wednesday night meals kick off this week, so this is our first Wednesday for the Wednesday night meals in the ministry center. The doors open at 4:45 and will be done at 6:15. Food pickup is also available from 5 until 6 p.m. at the west door of the ministry center for those who'd like to have carryout. The menu this week is Sloppy Joe, shredded chicken, salad, chips, and cookies. Would you rise and join me in the call to worship? It is taken from Psalm 62. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation comes, my honor depends on my God. He is my strength, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times. You pour out your heart to Him, for God is our refuge. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. And now we'll have our opening hymn, 201, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. The next is the fun time of our worship service, the children's chat.
1: Hey, you creatures of habit. Yeah, let's sit on this side, then I can pull myself up.
2: Yeah.
1: Ooh, smiley faces this morning. Look at all you guys. Awesome. Awesome. How are you? Good. 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 It should be. You didn't have to go to school most of the week, huh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> It'll be good to get back. What do I have here? Have any of you eaten this? Cereal. Cereal. Yeah. What kind of cereal? Mini wheats. Uh, you mean, ever see this guy on the commercial? Uh, Little mini wheat guy. He jumps and he swims in the bowl of cereal, and milk and everything. No? You've never seen that? Well here, I want you to tell me I've got packages for all of you take one now don't take it don't take what's in there out just look at what's in there then you can take it back to your seats and if I am short you just might have to share let's pass them over there. there so there's something about that mini wheat what is it is it the same on both sides Huh? No, pass it to the w- way over here. Pass over here. What's different about the many wheat? What's on one side? Um, sugar. <gasps> sugar. No wonder you guys know what kind of cereal this is, huh? All right. And then there's this boring side, right? You can see that. Can you look in the bag and see that? This is a yummy side. Did everybody get one? Nope. Okay. Um, It's kind of like being two-faced. Have you ever heard of anybody being called a two-faced? Kinda. Kinda. What do you think that is? Uh, Two sides. Two sides of what? Uh, Of something. It's usually like, let's say, this nice happy side is when you're around your Christian friends and you do everything right. And then sometimes we're places where they don't do that so much and then we're not very nice. So if we're really being a Christian, we need to be a Christian all the time, right? Okay. Okay. And if we try to be two-faced, that means we're not the same person every place we're at. Now, this is something grown-ups struggle with, too. Because sometimes when they go to work, they have to act a certain way to seek approval of the people there. And sometimes that's that way with their friends. So it's really hard. Now, you're going to hear about a man named Paul today. Paul wrote letters to people that went to church in Galicia, Paul had taught them using God's true word about Christ and how he saved us. Well, then he heard that they were listening to other people and the stuff they were preaching about. And Paul said, I can just hear him saying there, scratching his saying, Really? I just taught you from the one and only gospel. That God, Jesus Christ, gave to us. And you're listening to these other people? It's no wonder you're confused. Can't you hear him saying that? Really? It's so obvious, isn't it? So he asked, in the part of the scripture you hear today, you listen real close when Tracy reads it today. You're going to hear the scripture that says, Am I trying to win the approval of men? Or God. Who should we win the approval of? God. God. Absolutely right. Or am I trying to please men? Now what was Paul trying to do? Paul was trying to please, please, please God. Yeah. And he's saying, listen people, listen to God's word and be that person all the time. Being a Christian all the time is hard. No one, you know, says it's not. So we don't want to be two-faced. And Paul said, if I'm not pleasing God, then I'm not his servant. So Paul knew that he had to do what was right to serve God. And so he was scolding them, wasn't he? Telling them to pay attention to what the Bible says, the one and only true word. Okay, let us bow and say a prayer. Dear God, help us to realize that we can never find true happiness in the things of the world or in others' approval. You alone are the source of true happiness. Help us to honor you in all that we do. Amen. Thank you.
3: Amen. Thank you, Carolyn. Thanks, kids. You know, there's a lot of ways to measure the the health and vitality of a church, some better than others, of course. Uh, but I love to see all these kids up here for children's chat. That's a great way, great look for our church. And, and it's just wonderful to see them all here and participating in families being involved in the ministry of the church. Thank you all for being here today and participating. I'm really excited to have the Bell Choir back on here today and looking forward to what they uh, have for us this morning. If you, I would encourage you to direct your attention up to the balcony if you can see up there. If not, sit back and enjoy the special music this morning. God, thank you so much for that. I want to draw your attention to our bulletin and our prayers and concerns list now as we transition to the part of our service where we lift each other up in prayer. As always, if you are... Um, if you would like to have someone pray for you, if you'd like the church to be praying for you about a particular situation that you're going through, um, please let us know. This prayers and concerns list is updated each week and if you have something that um, you are experiencing or some you know you need you need, want your church family to be praying for you, this is a great way to have that happen. I invite you to to leave us a message in the office and we can add your name to the list. But also know that, that you're also invited to, to reach out to us and love to pray for you. Even if you don't want your name in the bulletin for whatever reason, if you don't want your name printed there, we'd still love to pray for you. And so even if, even if that's the case and, uh, you would like us to just, you'd like simply to just have someone pray with you at that time, I'd be glad to pray with you. Just reach out to us, reach out to me directly, reach out to us in the office. You know, one of our responsibilities towards each other as a church family is to be lifting one another up in prayer. And it's a great way for us to do that. So... I encourage you um, also to take this prayer list with you. Stick it somewhere where you'll see it throughout the week. And when you when you notice it, it's a great opportunity, great reminder to lift each other up in prayer. You may not know exactly what's going on in each one of those situations, but we know that the Lord does. The Lord knows what's on our heart. Matthew six says before we even pray it. So we can come to Him, lift up those concerns and God, and ask for God's will to be done in each of those situations. Also, want you to to. You know, our offering this morning is going to support our building maintenance fund. Uh, The trustees have been working hard over the last couple months of patching and painting some of the spots in the church that were uh, left over from the heating system replacement project. Um, And we're also looking forward in the near future to doing some major painting in the church and the sanctuary. So the offering today will go to support projects like that. And if you're able to give, deacons will be at the door as you exit the sanctuary this morning. So there's many other things to be praying about, and so let's take a moment and remember the reason why we can pray by singing about our Savior being alive and well here today. Let's stand, and if you're able, and sing number 213, Because He Lives. Father God, we thank you that you are our God and that you are good. Lord Jesus, we are here today. We have hope for tomorrow because you live, because you are alive, and you are seated at the right hand of, of God the Father Almighty. And we know, Lord, that when we pray, you hear us. That's the hope we have. That's the assurance that we have. Because of the resurrection, because you are alive, we are gathered here today and you hear our praises and you hear our prayers and we know that you can respond. That's where our hope lies. That's where that's what everything, uh, Lord, holds on to in our faith. That's the anchor that, that holds us steady. When all of life and, and the circumstances we face are difficult and too much to bear, we know that we can hold on to you. Lord, your word never promises that you'll give us more, you'll never give us more than we can handle. Your word never says that. In fact, the testimony of scripture is that, that you often give people, Lord, you allow people to experience things that are too difficult to bear, too much to handle. And the reason for that is so that we can learn to rely on you and your goodness and your grace and your provision and not ourselves. And so we come before you today fully aware of that, fully aware of our need that we, that no matter what we face in this life, no matter what circumstances are going on, we need you to help us through. We need to rely on your goodness and your grace. We need to rely on your righteousness and your holiness and your justice. And we need to rely on your provision, Lord, in in each and every circumstance and each and every day. So, Lord, we lift up those those families and those names that are represented in our in our bulletin this morning, as well as the many other, Lord, burdens that people are carrying into this room here today that are on our hearts and on our minds. We also think of those that are listening on the radio and watching on Facebook who are unable to be with us in person here today. Lord, we also lift them up to you as well. And pray, Lord, for, for whatever situations they're facing, that you would meet them there and and guide them through it. Lord, your people need you. Your people need your spirit in our lives. We need to rely on the grace that Christ won for us on the cross, and we need to rely on the the wisdom and guidance of a heavenly Father who loves and cares for us. And so, Lord, help us to do that this day. Soften our hearts to to your will um, and guide us in all truth so that we may follow you wherever you may lead us. Lord, you can take even the, the worst situations and use them for your good. So we do pray that you would do that in our lives today, in our world today, in our nation, in our state, in our communities today, that you would use whatever circumstances we face for, for our good and for your glory. Lord, we pray for our um, our building maintenance fund and the other uh designated offerings that we collect from Sunday to Sunday we we thank you for the opportunity to um to be blessed lord by by your people and the generosity that they that you have enabled them to give with and i pray lord that this blessing this offering today would be blessed to further the work of your kingdom and your ministry here in this place uh, we pray all these things in the name of jesus who taught us to pray saying our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done
4: The scripture reading this morning is from Galatians 1, verses 1 through 10. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men or by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ.
3: Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, we once again thank you for the opportunity to open your word together as a church family. I pray now as we look at the book of Galatians and what you have in store for us during this Lenten of the season that you would give me words to speak and open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Before we do just jump right into the sermon, I I just want to reiterate what Brian shared during the announcements. If you have not picked up a copy of our Lenten devotional, I encourage you to do so. There's still copies back at the info center as well as at the doors as you exit the sanctuary here today. Um, I've really enjoyed the first few days of this, um, and there's always an opportunity to catch up. Um, the readings aren't too long, so maybe if you didn't get one yet and you want to jump in, um, there's still an opportunity to do so and you can easily catch up or just pick up where um, where we are each day. Um, we're only a few days into this so far and I want to encourage you if you're able to read it or to pick one up to read it as we journey through Lent together. Um, we also have the Sunday night Bible study. Uh, we'll be continuing that tonight. We had a good group and great discussion last week and if you missed it and would like to join us again there's there's always an opportunity to jump on the ship. There's no reason you can't come um, this week if you missed last week. So we will be meeting in the ministry center in the youth room this evening from 6 to seven thirty, and I encourage you to join us for that Bible study. So that does bring us to our, our sermon here for today. We're going to be looking at the book of Galatians, starting today all the way through working our way towards Easter. Uh, the reason I, I, I felt God calling us to, to look at the book of Galatians is because there's a really important theme that runs throughout the book, and that is the centrality of the cross to our faith, the centrality of the gospel to to who we are as a church and what we believe and what we're called to be in the world. And we see that right here from the opening passage, right? Right? Paul is, is addressing these churches in Galatia and he's addressing a very specific issue that they have strayed, they have abandoned the gospel, the faith that they had at first. And so as we focus on, in Lent on the cross, as we work our way towards Good Friday and Easter Sunday, there's no better time to, for us as a church, as individuals, to refocus our attention on the cross and the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and what that means for us, like I said, as individuals, but also for us as a church. Earlier this week, our family, we had a little bit of a, um, a change, I guess you can say. I don't know. We had Miles... Got his first pair of glasses, and I have to admit, you know, like father, like son, I was actually the same age as him when I got my first pair of glasses, and so I want to tell him like, welcome to the club, you know, get used to it, Um, because they're not they're not going away. Um, but he's he's been doing really good with them. He's he's been wearing them, and and these glasses they have nowadays are almost kid-proof. And I'm going to say that, and they're going to be broken within a couple of weeks. But you know they're flexible, they're bendy. They got this nice little strap, and he's doing a really good job at keeping them on and and doing great with them. But it got me thinking about glasses. Got me thinking about what purpose they serve, right? They help us to see the world as it should be, right? If I were to take off my glasses here, now I. Still see most of you, right? I see you. But you're not you're not clear, right? The, the 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 vision is blurry, right? Because of because of my eyes, they don't see the right way. But when I put my glasses on, I see you for who you are, and I see you the way that I'm meant to see you, if my eyes were, you know, not my eyes. That's what glasses are meant to do. That's the purpose that they're meant to serve. They help us to see the world as it should be, and they help correct those things, right, physically speaking, in my eyes that aren't seeing the world properly. That's what the gospel does for us. The gospel is a lens through which we see the rest of the world. There's a you know, you can talk call it a worldview, you can call it a perspective. There's lots of different words you can label it as, but but the point the bottom line is this the gospel is our glasses. It's our corrective lenses. It's what we are, it's the way in which we see the world. So if we have a proper understanding of the gospel, we'll see the world through that lens, through that perspective, and, and everything else around us will then you know, make sense in light of that gospel. But what were to happen right? if I were to take my glasses and put them on miles? right? He's got these new glasses. Are any old glasses going to do for him? No, he needs the right ones. He needs the ones that are going to help him see. If, I were to, if he were to wear my glasses or if I were to wear his, they're not going to do us any good. So it's not just any old gospel that will do. It's not just any old worldview or point of view that we need. We need the gospel. We need the correct one in order to see the world as it should be. And again, that's the concern that Paul has here with the churches in Galatia. He's writing them and he gets right to the point, and he will continue to address that issue throughout this letter about the centrality of the gospel they 've abandoned what they learned and what they were taught by paul they 've strayed from the truth, and so he wrote this letter to call them out on it in hopes of getting them back on the right path right that 's the purpose of correction isn 't it that 's the purpose of of speaking the truth in love is not to rub somebody 's nose in the problem, but it 's to see them Be brought back onto the right path. To see them correct their ways and their steps. Right? When Allie and I or any parent, right, disciplines their child, it's not, it's not meant to be punitive for the sake of being punitive, right? It's not meant to just be a punishment for the sake of punishment. It's meant to be corrective. It's loving. It's, it's to to train them and to teach them in the way that they should go. And that's what Paul is doing here as well. He's calling out their error so that they may turn back to the gospel they knew at first. But before we get to the the gospel itself, Paul here makes an interesting point in these opening verses. So often when we read these letters in the New Testament and we get to to the part where Paul's introducing himself or Peter or James, it's easy for us to maybe skim over those introductions. But there's something really important that Paul says here. Paul calls himself an apostle, but then he says he's sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. Right? Paul here is, he's establishing his authority as a pastor, as a teacher, as an apostle. And he's say, he, what he's saying here is that his authority as an apostle doesn't come from people or certificates or governments. Right? His authority comes from God himself. Right. As a pastor, when I perform a wedding, when I, when I officiate over a couple as they're making their covenant commitment to each other as husband and wife, right, my authority to do that as a pastor doesn't come from the state of Ohio. Right? I, in some legal sense, I have the right to sign their marriage certificate to make it legal from the state's perspective. Right, but my authority as a pastor doesn't come from the state of Ohio to, to solemnize that marriage, right? It comes from God. It comes from, from scripture. It comes from His, uh, from, from that biblical point of view of, of the role of marriage and the role of the church and the role of the pastor, right? Whether or not the state of Ohio tells me I can, I can perform weddings or not, right? I, that authority comes first and foremost from the Lord. Right? And that's kind of in a sense what Paul's getting at here too. His authority as an apostle doesn't come from people or some man-made structures. It comes from God Himself. It comes ultimately also from Scripture. Peter hit on this authority issue as well in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 16-21. through 21. He says, "...we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty." He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I loved and with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice and came from, that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have this prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Notice what Peter is saying in this passage. He says, look, we were eyewitnesses to Jesus and His glory and His ministry. In fact, we heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my Son, with Him I am well pleased. And on the other hand, we also have the prophetic scriptures, right? The message that is completely reliable, right? He's referring there to, to God's word, the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? So we have God's word and God himself and his word as our ultimate authority. And of course, we know that Paul himself had a similar experience on the Damascus Road. Paul was on his way to arrest and persecute believers when Jesus appeared to him in a blinding light. Right? And it's from that point on Paul's life was changed. He went from persecuting the church to being a part of the church, to being a leader in the church. He went from traveling all over the Roman Empire to arrest and persecute Christians to traveling all over the Roman Empire to share the good news of the gospel. And that only happens when something, when something changes in, in your heart and mind. And so Paul here, he's not bucking authority, right? He's not shirking his own responsibility. He's actually appealing to a higher authority, right? He's appealing to a higher authority, which is God himself. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 4. He says, "...this then is how you ought to regard us, as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries that God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust to prove faithful." I, carry, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Right, Paul here is saying something very important. He says right, he's not concerned by external judgment from the world. Right? He's, not, he's not concerned about popular opinion or human authorities in that sense. And he's also not concerned about internal judgment from himself. He's not concerned about what he believes to be true or what he thinks is right and wrong. His ultimate authority, the one person that can judge him, is the Lord Himself. And so that is his authority. That is his um, notion and understanding of right and wrong. So that's why Paul says he's he's sent by, by God, by Jesus Christ Himself, not by men. And then he goes on to, to very, very succinctly recap what that gospel was that they had rejected. And he says that in verses 3 through 5. Notice he says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God the Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. There's lots of Scripture passages that we can point to that do a great job of of summing up the Gospel in very few words. We get to give passages like John 3.16 that says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Or 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, "God God made Him, speaking of Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Or this one's actually, I I like 1 Timothy 1.15. Paul himself saying, This is a true and trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Right? That's the gospel. That's the hope that we have. That God has sent His Son into the world to save the world, to redeem the world, to forgive us our sins. Right? And that's exactly what he points out here in Galatians 1, 3 through 5. He says three things in these short verses. He says that, ga- that Jesus gave himself for our sins. Right? The gospel is about forgiveness. That Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Right? He was the sacrifice that earned our salvation. It was His death in our place that earned our forgiveness. And so the Gospel is about forgiveness of sins. It's also about rescue from this present evil age. right? The Gospel is about conquering the forces of evil. The war was won when Jesus died on the cross. There's some people that have this notion that that the the battle between good and evil is still ongoing and undetermined. But let me tell you today that the battle has been won. The war is over. Jesus conquered sin and death. He conquered the enemy on the cross. Ephesians chapter 6 reminds us that, Right? When, when Paul is talking about the armor of God, he reminds us in verse 12 that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Right? Jesus was sent on a rescue mission to, to rescue us from the power of sin and the power of the enemy. And he did so by laying down his own life for us on the cross. And in doing so, as, as Colossians 1, 13 through 14 says, that, that he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom is redemption and the forgiveness of sins. The third thing that Paul highlights here about the gospel, after forgiveness of sins and rescuing from evil, he says that it was all according to God's will. right? God's plan from the beginning was to rescue us from our sins. God knew that when he created the world, when he made us in his image, that we would rebel. He was aware of that. He knew that that would happen. But yet he he still chose to do it and he chose to save us from our sin. Ephesians one four says that he, speaking of God, chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Right, before the foundations of the world were laid, God knew that we would rebel, but He also knew that He would send His Son Jesus to die on the cross in order to rescue us from our sin. That's the Gospel. That's what we hold on to. Right? And that's the central aspect of our faith. That Jesus died for our sins to rescue us all according to God's plan and God's will. See, we never outgrow the gospel. We never get to a point where we run out of need our need to hear that over and over again. And that's because we are, we, we are sinners in need of a Savior. We have leaky memories. We, we stray all too often. And so we need to be reminded of that central truth over and over and over again. We never move past the basics of the faith because the basics of the faith that Jesus Christ died for us is something that we need to be reminded of each moment of each day. You see, the more we understand the gospel, right, the more we understand what Jesus did for us, the more we'll realize and the more we'll recognize our own sinfulness, right? We'll see the gap between God's perfect holiness, his grace and his mercy and our sinfulness. And so the more we we recognize our own sinfulness, the more we'll recognize our need for God's grace and forgiveness. And the more we'll appreciate what he's done for us on the cross, And then that brings us back around the more we understand that, the more we recognize our need for Him. You see how this just continues to build on itself? The deeper we go, we never move past Jesus' death and resurrection because that is the central important tenet of our faith. It's a cycle that brings us deeper and deeper into God's grace. So Paul establishes that idea from the get-go, but then in the remaining verses he says that he's astonished that these people have so quickly deserted that gospel. Right? The issue of the Galatians, the, uh, the issue that the Galatians were facing was that they had, they had fallen victim, they had been deceived, they'd been distracted from that central teaching. And Paul wants to address it so that he can bring them back. Paul alludes here to two sources of this false teaching. He gets into specifics later in the letter, which we'll save for another day. But he says there's two sources of this false teaching. He says in verse 8, he says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach another gospel. So one source is, Paul says, we. That's human teaching. Right? But then the other source is, is an angel from heaven. Some false teaching comes from spiritual origins as well. So some false teaching is of human origins, but some is spiritual. It's demonic. In C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters, it's this fictional correspondence between an uncle and a nephew, uh, demon in Satan's army, right? And they're corresponding about their, the best ways to deceive and distract people from Jesus. And they, they talk about their goal... Being to distract people and keep their eyes off of Christ. They don't care if people believe demons are real or not. They're just simply happy as long as people aren't focused on Jesus. So some false teaching is from human origins. Some, it, some of it is spiritual origins. But no, the bottom line is anything that distracts us from the gospel, anything that gets us astray from that is a false gospel. And there's different categories for that. We could go on ad nauseum today if we were to get into specifics, and, and I don't want us to get lost in the weeds, but I do want to highlight some of those false teachings that, we, that, that are easy for us to fall victim to. And what I'm talking about here, I want to make sure you understand, when Paul's talking about a different gospel here, he's not talking about minor theological differences between, between churches, Right? There's different churches that maybe believe different things or understand different things based on secondary or even tertiary issues, right? That's not what Paul's getting at here. What he's talking about here are are things that stray from that core message about Jesus, right? The gospel is about Christ and Him crucified, and anything that distracts us from that is dangerous territory. And so the obvious implication here, right, some of those other gospels, are what we would call, you know, false religions or idolatry. In the Old Testament, there were other gods of, of the surrounding peoples, like Molech, Baal, Asherah. And the New Testament, you see, uh, emperor worship and things like that happening. Obviously, today there's there's different world religions uh, that could fall into this category. But idolatry can be subtle too, right? It makes sense for me to stand here in a a Christian church and say you should not go worship other gods, right? That seems pretty obvious. But idolatry can be subtle too. We can make idols out of anything and everything. Even good things can become idols when we're not careful. An idol is anything that you look to besides God for your joy and your hope and your salvation. So some false gospels are outside of the church, but some of them are found within the church, unless we're careful. One popular one today is the prosperity gospel. The idea that that God's main focus is to bring you health and wealth, that His blessings are primarily physical or material, not spiritual. Right, that if, that if you truly want to experience God's grace and, and His blessing, then, then you need to, to give more, right? You need to step on a faith and, and give more of your, your uh, material possessions, and God will bless you by giving you more back in return. The focus of the prosperity gospel is very much on material things rather than spiritual things. It reduces God to a cosmic vending machine. You just put in the right amount of money, press the right buttons, and you get what you want in return. The focus there is on the blessings rather than on the one who blesses. Another danger that we fall into is the idea of a, of a spiritual buffet, right? Right, one thing that I've missed during the pandemic is going over to Main Street and having the salad bar. Right, where you go and you just pick what you want, right, from the buffet, and you got your plate, and you can leave what you don't like and take what you like. Right, some people approach faith like that, though. Too, they take the parts of faith that they like, they take the parts that are agreeable to them, and they leave the parts they don't like, instead of trusting God for at His Word and embracing the Bible for what it is. The last one I want to focus on here today and the one that will continue to draw our attention throughout the book of Galatians is the idea of works righteousness. The idea that we can earn our salvation through our good works, that it wasn't enough that Jesus died for us, but we also need to make sure we're a good person too. That we need to jump through certain hoops and do certain things for God's salvation to be made real in our lives. Right, good works are important, don't get me wrong, but they come after salvation, not before. The problem with with the people in Galatia is they were they thought they needed to do certain things and live a certain way in order for God's salvation to be applied to them, in order for the blood of Jesus to be made real for them. Which is backwards, right? What God says in His Word is that salvation comes first. We are we are saved by grace through faith, so that we can then do good works. You see the difference there? Good works are important. God desires for us to do good things. In Ephesians two ten, it says that we have been created that God is, is doing this so that we can be do the good works that He created for us to do, right? But salvation comes first. Salvation is the free gift of grace. Earned not by us, but by Jesus on the cross. You see, there's two ways for us to reject the gospel. One is just outright rejection, right? That's, that's easy. That's obvious. That's worshiping other gods or, or worshiping no gods at all or putting yourself first. Right? There's obvious ways for us to reject the gospel. But another way for us to reject the gospel is by trying to earn our way in. Rejecting God's grace and trying to replace it with our own good works. All false gospels will lead us nowhere. You know, the old saying is that all roads lead to Rome, right? And there's people that approach faith in that way that it doesn't matter what you believe. You know, you're all going to the same place anyways. What Paul is, is, is reminding us of here is there's only one road, and that's through Christ. There's only one way to God, and that's through the death and resurrection of Jesus. All other roads will get you lost. That is the one that we need to follow. And he says here, look, it's not a matter of pleasing people, right? He, he, he closes this section. He says, if, I, be, it's, if it's a matter of pleasing people, then I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be saying this. I wouldn't be a servant of Christ, right? It's going to be much easier to fall into one of these traps if your goal is to please people. To, to take the easy road or the easy way out. But committing to the gospel, right? Committing to the real gospel of Jesus Christ may lead to rejection by the world. And Jesus Himself warned us. He told His disciples in Matthew 16, 24-27, He says, if you want to follow Me, you need to t- deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Me. Right? What good is it for a person to gain the whole world if they forfeit their soul? Right? The question I want to leave you with today is, is He worth it? Right? Is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus worth being rejected by the world? Is Jesus worth not pleasing people? Right? If you have to choose between pleasing God, following Jesus, or pleasing the world and following one of these false gospels, I hope and pray that you choose to follow Christ. That you follow Him today. So I want to encourage you to do a couple things. One is pray for us, pray for ourselves, right? Pray for each other. Pray that, that we would cling to the cross, that we would not forsake the gospel, but we would make the main thing the main thing. So pray for yourself. Pray for other believers that we would stay focused on what's the most important. But also pray for a lost world. Pray that their spiritual eyes and their minds would be opened. Right? Second Corinthians 4, 4 says that the enemy has blinded the eyes of people in this world so that they can't even see or hear the gospel for themselves. I want to close with one quick story. Josephine and I have been reading through the Chronicles of Narnia. I think I've mentioned this before. It's been quite a, quite a project for us. There's seven books in this series. And we're in the sixth one, and it's called The Magician's Nephew. And it closes with the story. It's, it's a story of how Narnia, this magical world, was created. And, and Aslan, who is this lion, who is the creator, he's the Christ figure in these stories. Right? He's, he's bringing everything into existence and there's a few people from our world who find themselves there witnessing all of this. There's the children who experience it with joy and wonder, but there's their uncle who is, who is completely out of his element, right? And he doesn't understand what's going on and he sees this talking lion bringing everything into existence and these talking animals and he rejects it all outright. He rejects it completely so much so that he cannot even hear or understand the words that they're saying. When Aslan speaks, it's not words that he hears, it's the roar of a lion. So even as they're trying to reach out to him, and even as they're trying to help him to understand what's happening, he can't hear it because he's refusing to hear what is being said. Right? There's people in our world that, that have completely closed themselves off to Christ. There's com- people that have rejected the gospel outright, and they, and, and it's not going to make sense to them. We can't necessarily reason, our way, reason, reason with them or reason their way to Christ. So what we need to do is pray. We need to pray that the Spirit will open up their eyes and open up their minds to hear what God has to say to them to hear the real gospel that we are saved not by works but by grace. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are our God, that you have sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. Lord, help us to cling to the cross, cling to the real gospel, that we are not saved, that we, aren't, we don't save ourselves, but we are saved by grace through faith, through Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to cling on, hold on to that today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So we close our service, I encourage you to stand with us if you're able. Let's sing the marked verses of number 404, The Solid Rock. may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.